open, off and Skyly Sensory stayed in the gate. There's Bo Rogue being set alight immediately by Cyril Small and racing to the lead. But Bo Rogue won't give up, he's still in front. Groucho's grabbing him now. Groucho coming at Bo Rogue, don't play, getting a rails run. Bo Rogue in front, he's got a heart as big as himself. He'll win, Bo Rogue! Bo Rogue has cracked it at last. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. Trainers strive to have horses spot on for race day. Fuel cells up, the right mental state, the right fitness levels. Equally important is the horse's capacity to recover quickly from racing and track work. The aim is to give owners every opportunity to win optimum prize money by keeping a horse in training for as long as possible. High Gain Recuperate is a powerful blend of electrolytes, B-group vitamins and vitamin E in paste form which can be administered after fast work and in the days leading up to a race to assist recovery. 30ml of Recuperate drawn from the 500ml bulk pack is the economical alternative to individual electrolyte and vitamin paste syringes. High Gain Recuperate powers performance and recovery. Visit the High Gain website and use promo code johntap.racing to receive 15% off your next Recuperate purchase. When New South Wales reached an 80% fully vaccinated adult population in October of last year, jockey zones were removed, much to the delight of riders like Jean Van Overmeer, who'd enjoyed riding against the elite of Sydney jockeys, but was frustrated by limited opportunity and he couldn't wait to spread his wings. Few jockeys have worked harder these past three months than the expat South African who arrived unheralded in Sydney in the middle of 2016, completely bamboozling regular punters. Here was a jockey with a French Christian name and a surname of likely Dutch origin who'd ridden only one winner from 15 rides during an apprenticeship in England. Sean had met a man called Jack Bruce while working as a track work rider for Michael de Kock in Dubai. Jack was on his way to Sydney to work for Bjorn Baker at Warwick Farm and suggested John should look him up if ever he visited Australia. Things move quickly. Van Overmeer gained an apprenticeship with Baker. He lost 10 kilos in weight and struggled to make his mark as a professional jockey. His subsequent injury toll is a story in itself. Fast forward almost six years. He's getting close to 300 winners, several stakes races, including a Group 2. He's been around in two golden slippers, and last October he was privileged to gain a ride in the Everest. He rides frequently for the Waterhouse Bot Stable, and several other leading trainers are using his services from time to time. I think the Jean Van Overmeer story is one of the most interesting in Australian racing in recent years, and I'm delighted we've been able to pin him down for a podcast. Jean, good morning and thanks for your time. No problem, John. Good morning to you and thanks for having me on. You know, when they removed that COVID barricade last October... You bolted for the bush, and you've been riding all over the place. I, I just feel it's probably something that had to be done. Um, I enjoy, I, I enjoy working hard, and I, 
I don't mind the travelling either. So, um, I mean, it just it, it's just probably a, a case of being being at the at the races as much as possible and um, chasing the winners that we all strive for. Yes. I'm sure you could have any number of rides at the major provincial or country Saturday meetings, but clearly you'd rather be in town if only for two or three rides. Yeah, that's it. Um, obviously, I, I want to make my mark in in Sydney, um, so I, I just feel that's the case. I mean, a lot of people might say, oh, I'll go to provincials or so, get momentum, come back to, to town, but... Um, I don't feel that way. I feel that we're still getting sort of reasonable rides in 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 town. Um, so that's that's. I'll continue chipping away at that. And I mean, they say the harder you work, the the luckier you get. So mm. I just stay patient, and and I'm sure my time will come in in town. That's for sure. Despite a very busy race riding schedule, you're certainly not neglecting track work. You're riding a lot of work for Waterhouse Bot. And for the Freedman brothers, do you go to Rose Hill for the Freedmans or do you stick to Randwick and Michael Friedman? I stick to Randwick for um, for Michael Friedman. Um, the odd occasion I'll do, do Richard at Rose Hill. Hmm. Um, I, I mainly ride for a couple of other trainers at Rose Hill on, on the Thursday morning I'm there. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, as, as far as the Freedman's brother, brothers goes, I mainly do – to do them at Ramwick. Right. When did you find out you were riding Embracer in last year's Everest? And did you think somebody was pulling your leg at first? <laughs> no, I um so the the evening before acceptances, I think acceptance came out on the Tuesday, um, the Monday evening. Hmm. There was sort of there was sort of talk about it, and but I was I was told not to get my not to get my hopes up just yet. Mm. Um, but obviously, I was over I was overwhelmed and I was I was getting excited straight away. Um, mm. But the the next morning on the Tuesday, the, the morning of acceptances, I I got the the good news from from Adrian Bott. He rang me, mm. um, and he said to me he said to me, look, listen, we um. We're running Embracer in the Everest. Would you, would you like to ride him? And I almost, almost jumped off my seat. <laughs> so you didn't say, "Look, Adrian, just give me ten minutes. I'll call you back." <laughs> no, I, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> I just give me a bit of time. I, I, I'm just looking for a, a different oh, yeah. ride. What a thrill! Not, not, not at all. Not at all. I was, I, 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 um, I was very grateful straight away. Yeah, of course you were. Well, Embracer was the rank outsider at $101. You began well from barrier three, but elected to go back, understandably. In the straight, and I looked at the replay again the other day, he copped some buffeting from Libertini, who was on his outside, and he didn't fancy that bump either. He laid his ears back, he turned his head and had a good look at Libertini. Yeah, he's he, he's sort of one of those horses. He um, he's very competitive. Um, once he the the bump wasn't actually that severe at all. Um, I felt I felt the Libertini at the time was was going slightly better than what we were. Yeah. Um, but he's like I said, he's one of those competitive horses. Once he sort of get a bump, he'll 
he'll he will pin his ears back and do everything he can to sort of um give a bump bump back to the other horse yeah. um he's just very competitive and and wants to wants to try hard and i'm sure he's he, he if he could win it win it every race i'm sure he, he would he's just yeah. like i said he's he's one of those horses just very yeah. competitive and loves his racing he beat only one home in the everest as you'd expect at 101 dollars and he was clearly outclassed, but what a massive thrill for you. For sure. Um, oh, just, I think at the time I was only a couple of weeks out of my apprenticeship too, so mm. it was a huge thrill. Um, and, I mean, the, the the prize didn't bother me at all. I, I received a lot of confidence from from Adrian and Gay mm. um, not to worry about the prize. And, and me knowing myself, I've, I've, got, I've got big prize horses, to win before yeah um i think the biggest one being maybe 200 to one i've yeah. won on before so me knowing i've i've done that on a, on a regular basis yeah. in the past um i wasn't too worried about his price as well my main focus was just to mm. um give every give him every chance mm. to win the race um, and i felt i did that mm. you certainly did just imagine if an international visitor ask you one day if you've ridden in any important races in Australia. Try not to gloat when you answer the question. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate to, um, to, have, to have the Everest on my, on my CV as well as two golden slippers. Um, mm. um, just to have, have, have a ride in all three of those races or two of the races, golden slipper being two of them. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, 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 I'm sure there's a lot of jockeys that um, that sort of still dreaming of of those opportunities. Yes, 2020 was your first Golden Slipper ride on Jean Dubois' lovely little filly. See you soon. She only raced five times. You rode her in all of those starts. You won the Kirkham Plate, beating Dame Gazelle. You ran second to that filly in the Golden Gift. You ran second in the Risling, and then she was a well-beaten midfield in the Golden Slipper, won by Farnan at an empty Rose Hill racecourse. She was probably over the top by then, John. She looked to try hard enough up the straight, but she just wasn't up to it on the day. Yeah, correct. She, she. I, I think she was over the top at the time going into into the um, the Slipper. Um, but she had a few quirks as well. She, um, I remember, I remember that day at, at uh, go in the slipper. She didn't want to go into the barriers, mm. and the the whole field was in the barriers, and and I was at the back just waiting, waiting to go in. And she she wasn't having a bar of it. Um, she didn't want to do it. So she we sort of had to just sort of push her in. Um, but she she had a she had a trick and she always got away of it. Mm. Um, she used to rear up and she used to go, go quite high. But mm. in my mind, she she knew what she was doing, how high to go before she goes too far the other yeah. way. Yeah. Um, so they they um, we struggled to get her in in the barriers that day. But luckily enough, we got her in in the gates. Mm. Um, I think she was slowly away from memory. Mm. And then we sort of sat tail of the field, which mm. which didn't worry me too much, um, because I'm pretty sure, off memory, the I think the the second or third horse, maybe the the fourth horse, was sort of to the inside of us throughout the race. Yeah. Um, but I think at the end of the day, that's all what come down to was um, 
just been over the top and might have just had enough at that stage. Yeah. She ran third in a group two later and then disappeared. Did she have any issues? So we we go back to her quirks. Um, there was a few times we actually couldn't get her in, into the barriers and she was scratched mm. after, after the slipper. Um, and that's why she sort of, she she sort of disappeared, um, just because there was there was always sort of a a, a bar on on her going into the barriers because she'd always get away with get away with not going in because mm. of her her rearing up. Mm. Um, so there was a lot of work that got put into her, and um, we we thought we had a right, and then sort of she uh, she 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 did it again at at the trials. So I think. Um, Jean was just just come to the decision to yeah just send her to the stud and that's where she's she's currently at. Mm-hmm. Your second slipper ride was on Glistening last year. You'd won the Group Two Risling on this filly, uh, but she was never in the slipper. Any excuses? Um, no, not 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 particularly. Um, she was always uh, uh, sort of a front running on speed sort of filly. Um, very quick out the barriers, like light, lightning. Um, there's very few that I've sat on that's as quick out the barriers as what she was. Yeah. Um, so we we got her on 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 into our usual racing pattern. There was an abundance of, of speed in the race, as you would expect, high pressure race. Um, but she sort of put herself there comfortably. I remember it was, it was a it was a heavy track, which probably didn't suit her all mm. that well. Um, being sort of a small framed filly that sort of skips across the ground. If if it was a a firm track, Mm. um, I assume she might have ran a bit better, Um, but sort of the the, the track conditions and uh, the high-pressure race for a sort of slim type filly Mm. um, just might might have been – she might have just been been outclassed as well in in that race. Now let's have a quick little trip down memory lane with you. You were born in Bloemfontein, the city of roses, in the province of Free State in South Africa. You grew yeah. up on a little farm just out of town. You had a couple of ponies, and I can recall you telling me you learned to ride bareback with a bridle made of bale twine. You made it <laughs> yourself, I presume. <laughs> I did. I did. Um, oh, they were they were memories I'm very fond of. I often think these days they were just the the probably the like growing up as a, in your childhood is you couldn't really ask for much more. It was just a mm. fantastic childhood growing up on a farm, having your ponies, and just having to sort of make things out of nothing to to do what you needed to do. Yeah, um, yeah it's memories of, I'm very fond of and mm. and look back on and. And always have a smile on my face when I when I do look back on it. Mm. Now, John, many people here in Australia have been curious about your background, so here's the time to clear it up. Your dad, Guy, is of Belgian descent, but your mother, Marty, is a native South African. That's correct. Where are they now? Still in England? Um. So yeah, um, both my father and mother is in. In England, mm. um, 
just probably 10 minutes outside of the heart of racing in, in England, Newmarket, in a yeah. little village um, called Red Lodge, which is, like I said, just 10 minutes down the road. Mm. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're, they're still there. My brother was there as well. Um, yeah, and they, they're enjoying it. But, obviously, mm. the, the, my, my mother being, obviously, from, from South Africa, she doesn't quite enjoy the, the cold weather there. It mm. gets quite cold, obviously, as you can expect. Yes. You were 12 years old when your dad got a job transfer from Bloemfontein to Great Britain and you settled at Suffolk County, a stone's throw from the Newmarket Training Centre. Now, you started off with work experience at the stables of the late Michael Jarvis and you were completely hooked on the atmosphere of a racing stable. Yeah, I think so. I mean, what um, obviously we we used to drive through through Newmarket to sort of if we wanted to go to do do grocery shopping or whatever, uh, we used to drive through Newmarket and and every every time without fail, I would ask my parents if we can go early in the morning so we can see the the horses crossing the the roads to go into the gallops mm. um, and see, seeing. Seeing all the horses in the in the in the strings for the big stables and watching them go up the gallops and and everything that yeah it just made me very very um I was hooked very quickly as you say John mm. and uh, the atmosphere and just everything about racing just um it, it, it just it was just something I wanted to do straight away. You later became apprentice to a man called Roger Varian who'd taken over the Michael Jarvis training operation when that great trainer died in 2011. You had just 15 race rides in England for one winner, and I'm not sure of the pronunciation of the horse. Was it M. Canar or M. Canat? M. M. Canat, yes. Um, I remember it was at, it was at Wolverhampton, oh. um, over sort of 1,400 metres, and um, I'll never forget that it was it was on my 18th birthday as well, and it was absolutely pouring down with rain. Mm. And um, me, it's me being very inexperienced, I didn't have any gloves with me. Mm. And we sort of we we jumped and we were travelling in the race. Uh, we sort of get halfway stage. Mknut was travelling quite keenly with me, and mm. we sort of get to. We, get to the mid midway stages and I just thought, gee, because I, I can't hold him in any longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at, at that stage, as I'm thinking that, probably four or five inches of rain just completely slipped out, out of my hand and I was, <laughs> before I knew it, I was near the back end of the rains. Oh, dear <laughs> I was all, all over hills in front of me and, um, and but, but luckily we sort of, I was able to, get away from hills in front of me and, and mm. uh, be three wide going into the straight and ah, and can I just put them away yeah. very easily and one quite comfortably too. I think, um, I think he knew he was in charge that day. That's for sure. He must have had a bit on him, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Now on that trip from Newmarket to Wolverhampton in the pouring rain, you had a travelling companion who is now a very well-known figure in Australian racing. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, 
David Eustace. David uh, Eustace, yeah. Yeah, that's it. He was he at the time he was assistant trainer to um to Roger Varian. Oh. Um and obviously I'm, I'm, David Eustace is, is well known in Australian racing now, but at the time he was um assistant trainer to Roger. Yeah. Um he he sort of took me under, under his wing, took me to to the races and just looked after me on the way there. He, um, he, he sort of, he, he was going through every, everything that I needed in my bag and he was ticking mm. everything off that he thought I needed. And luckily I did. Yeah. Um, but it was a great help. He walked the track with me. Mm. Um, no, he was just, he was just a phenomenal, phenomenal help. And, yeah. and, um, yeah, it was just fantastic. For old time's sake, uh, has he thrown a ride your way here in Australia? The Ma Eustace stable. Yeah, I've I've, I've had not of late, but I've had mm. a few few winners for them, um, and uh, which which has been great. Um, I sort of it, it was great to 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 ride for them, um, and hopefully um, some more opportunities is not far away from them. Mm. Well, Michael de Kock had stables at Newcastle at that time. And he at Newmarket, I should say, and he was looking after horses that were on their way to Dubai. And it was Michael who suggested that you should go to Dubai and do nothing but ride track work with several top jockeys who were there at the time. And you took him up on that suggestion. I did. I did for sure. Um, and it was, I learned so much. I mean, um, just riding with with sort of the the champion riders of of Europe, um, it was just phenomenal. Um, it's, it, it's sort of experience you you. I, I just thought it's exactly what I needed. Um, gaining riding with the likes of sort of Christoph Simeon, mm. um, Ryan Moore, um, Pat Cosgrove, yeah. and 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 plenty more. Mm. It's it just experience that you. You, you can't buy, so to speak. Yes. Well, after nine months, Michael sent young Jean Van Overmeer on a lovely little junket. He sent you to Hong Kong with a very talented horse called Variety Club, and you looked after that horse in Hong Kong for three months. You rode him in all of his work, and you had the satisfaction of watching him win a very important race the Hong Kong Champions Mile. Technically, you trained him in that time. Oh, if, if you want to say that, John, I suppose um, that's sort of the way it was, but obviously under instructions of, of mm. Mike as well. Um, it was, yeah, he was a phenomenal horse. He's had a lot of talent. Um, I think he's, his record spoke for itself. I'm, off memory, I think he was like eight, 18, 18 wins from 23 runs or runs or so. Um, mm, mm. And again, off memory, I think 14 or 15 of those was, was some at a group level. So he's a very ta- talented horse. Um, and it was I had great satisfaction watching him win as well. in in, in Dubai, mm. Up in, sorry, in, in Hong Kong. Well, you went back to Dubai and the big adventure began. Now, you met a bloke there by the name of Jack Bruce who told you that 
he was on his way to Sydney to take up a new job at Warwick Farm with a young New Zealand trainer called Bjorn Baker. Jack suggested that you should look him up if ever you landed in Australia, and you couldn't get that out of your mind. Yeah, that's it, exactly. Um, Jack, Jack and I are good friends, and uh, and sort of building on our relationship, he, that's what he suggested to me, and um, he, he was coming here to be Bjorn's racing manager. Mm. I, I think, I'm pretty sure Jack was working with Bjorn for three or four months and in in those three or four months he was over here I've I've made an appearance here as well um yeah it was it was definitely advice that was that was kindly received because I I don't feel I'd be in a position I am now if it sort of wasn't wasn't for Jack suggesting suggesting Mm. that to me um not saying I I came here to specifically be a jockey Mm. uh, but it's sort of just the way the the path the path led me, which, yes. is, which, which obviously now I'm very thankful for. Mm. Well, you started riding work for Bjorn, but you knew that if you wanted to be a professional jockey, you would have to get rid of 10 kilos. Now, it's hard to imagine you carrying that sort of weight, John. You're a pretty likely frame type. Yeah, and it also wasn't a case like I was... I was fat at all. It was. I was just um, just had a lot of muscle on me. Mm. Um, and the more I would suggest it to to various different people that I want to be a jockey, they would all say to me, "You're mad. You've got you've got nothing on you to lose. Mm. You're all muscle." Um, yeah. And yeah. So, but I knew I knew in myself. Um, I suppose it's the type of person I am. Once once someone tells me I can't do it. <laughs> It makes me more hungry to do it. Yeah. Um, so I suppose people saying to me, I, I won't be able to do it. So it was only a benefit to me because it yeah. made me more de- determined. And yeah. the way the way I did it um, was I, I, fe- I felt in my in my mind it was the, it was the right way to do it because I was able to to keep the weight off. I wasn't sort of fatigued or anything like that. I was I was just running a lot and a very clean diet. Yeah. Um, which I was able to lose the weight, and um, mm. I mean, don't get me wrong, I was very surprised myself. One, once I well, yeah. jumped on, on the scales at at one stage, and I and I saw fifty three or fifty four, um, I was very surprised myself. But I was mm. very, very happy that I achieved it. Yeah, Sean, just stand by for a moment. We're going to clear a commitment on the podcast, and we'll be back with you after this. The Tab Highway races introduced in 2015 have been a runaway winner for racing New South Wales and country participants. Every bit as popular are the Midways, introduced as recently as July 2021 and already a primary focus of the smaller metropolitan and provincial stables. How fitting it was that the very first Midway winner, our Bellagio Miss, was trained by Greg Hickman, who'd been a very enthusiastic advocate of the concept. Even the inaugural Four Pillars run on October 30th last year was run under midway conditions and won impressively by the Tracy Bartley-trained Kiss Sum. 
The Medways have been a natural progression from the highly popular highways, which have been a regular feature on Saturday Metropolitan programs for six years. The highways have created tremendous interest with country owners who are constantly on the lookout for the right horse. Bush trainers have something to aim for with progressive horses and the punters find the Tab Highways great betting mediums. The highways and the midways, now worth $100,000, are a major part of the new look of New South Wales racing. Well, before you could ride in races, you had to go through the ritual of completing 20 barrier trial rides. Now, Bjorn gave you five. You had to find the other 15. And boy, didn't you work hard at it. Yeah, it's... Um... I sort of had no no option to, to be honest with you, John. Um, Bjorn said to me, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a few, but um, don't rely on me because I want you to work hard for it. So yeah. uh, I remember I remember I was I was ringing trainers left, right and centre. It didn't, didn't matter who it was. <laughs> uh, I, I, I remember ringing, ringing um, Michael Hawks one day yeah. and – Asking him for a trial, and he said, "He said to me, oh, I've I've never heard of you.' <laughs> <laughs> that was nice of him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, no, it, it didn't matter who it was. I was just ringing ringing trains left, right, and centre just for trial rides. And mm. um, and I mean, obviously, so, so, some said, "Oh, we'll, we'll we'll have a look at you first." And other yeah. trainers was quite happy to put me on. And yeah. it wasn't it wasn't just in the in the city. city Sydney region where I was ringing for trials. I was ringing for, for, for trials after the race in the country tracks too. Yeah. Uh, and I remember I used to just to just sit and wait for for the noms to come out for for the trials, and he, he, I was right on it straight away. <laughs> I, was, I probably would have made twenty phone calls within within half an hour just for just for a few trials. Mm. It was Scott Singleton who gave you your first Australian race ride. Horse's name, Court Victory, the venue, Cessnock. You wouldn't have even known how to get to Cessnock at that time. You ran third. Yeah, I remember driving driving to Cessnock and I was just following GPS. I had no idea where I was going. Mm. Um, uh, but, yeah, it was, it, it, it was good because I was – uh, on court victory, I actually ended up. I ran third in that race, and then afterwards, I ran after that race. I ran. I think I, I won four, four, three or four races in a row on court victory. So yeah, it was it was quite nice to have that association with with Scott and mm. court victory as well. Mm. Gary Clark was the trainer to supply your first winning ride in this country. The mayor's name was our brown-eyed gal in a class one on one of your favourite country tracks, the Sapphire Coast. You hadn't ridden her before. How did you get that ride, do you recall? I believe it was – so when I started race riding, I, I did have a manager mm. um, and my manager was um, just was just ringing for rides as he usually would and we picked up – we picked up the ride, and um, I think, off from memory, I think I had four rides at Sapphire Coast at the time. Mm. Um, so it's just, yeah, it was just a case of picking it up, um, thanks to to the manager Tony Hayding, and 
And um, yeah, I was just fortunate that we, we, we got the monkey off our back, so to speak. Yes, absolutely. I can remember a, a day at Roundwick early in the piece when you rode three winners for three different trainers. Jean Dubois trained one of them, Chris Lee trained one of them, and Kim War trained the other. You must have been doing something right at that stage. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, th- I think at that stage we we still had a had a had a big claim, um, but I'll definitely take the credit for it. Um, it was mm. it, I think it was my first treble, and like you said, Johnny was it was it was on a on a, a Sydney um, metro track as well, so yeah. it was a great thrill. Um, and yeah, it was, it was nice to get the first treble out, out out the way for for top trainers. There was another double at Randwick one day on Gitane for Jean Dubois and Grey Line for Matthew Smith. And I remember at the time you really liked that old grey horse. He, he was just a gem of a horse. He had a great attitude um, and he was just um, a gem of a, of a ride as well. On on Grey Line, We in the race, we, we jumped. He was quick out, landed in front and... Um, and he just lobbed along at his own own speed, um, and uh, it was, it, he enjoyed. I remember it was a, it was a dog fight to, in the clo- closing stages, and he really enjoyed it. We were sort of we were headed coming around the turn, and the last 150 meters, he he really pinned his ears back and and picked and and won by by a neck or so. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed riding him. You'll never forget Samadout. You won four city races on this Derby racing horse early on. In fact, I think he was your first city winner. He later yeah. went on to win a Group 1 with Tim Clark, but he was very special to you uh, early in his career and early in yours. Yeah, for sure. He was he, he, he was great. He was my first city winner at, at Warwick Farm. Um, I think it was a heavy track over 1,600 metres. Um, we got him in the lead and he used to love the wet track and he just bowled along nicely and, and showed a great turn of foot um, mm. to win comfortably. Um, but, yeah, I was very, very glad to to win four races on him. Yeah. Um, annoyingly, from injuries, I missed missed the ride when he won the Group 1, but mm. at the end of the day, it is, it is what it is, I suppose. Yeah. A mare called Live to Dream was very good to you at that time. I think you won four races all up, three out of town and one at Randwick very fittingly. Yeah, she she was a really nice mare as well. Um, from memory, I think she had she had a couple of issues, just soundness. Um, um, but, yeah, she was, she was very good to me as well um, and just always used to sort of put herself in the race and she was uh, she was a, a nice, easy ride. I just sort of knew, loved her racing and, and knew her way around the track. Yeah. I remember a time when you were getting a, a very unhealthy number of suspensions and you were clearly frustrated. It seemed to me at the time that you were simply trying too hard. Yes, I, I, I definitely agree there, John. It was... Um, I was so determined to to succeed. I was just trying too hard, and um, I was trying to. I know the the saying is you you got to make things happen and not let it happen. But 
I was, it was almost a case of I was trying to force things to happen. Um, and it was just not, it was just not, not working out for me. So that's why I was getting suspended so much back then. And I feel it, it was probably a good thing as well, because I feel like I've got a different view of, of racing as we, as we, we stand here now. Mm. Uh, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely a learning curve. That's for sure. Between late 2018 and late 2019, you spent eight months out of 12 on the sidelines with injuries, two injuries, neither of which were the result of race falls. It was quite bizarre. The first occurred when you were leading one of Bjorn Baker's horses to the hosing bay when he was spooked by a nearby motorbike. What happened then? (laughs) <laughs> it's just one of those th- those stories where it wouldn't happen again in in 20 years is mm. just leading it to to the to the walker after i hose hosed it down after track work and um yeah motorbike start started and um it spooked and yeah it's just sort of uh, from memory i think I, I broke my my hand or my knuckles or yeah hand yeah but yeah, I think um, it bent your fingers right back. Yeah, it's it's it, it was a strange strange way it happened because it, was, it wasn't like the the lead rope was wrapped around my hand or anything. I was just mm. I was just had the lead rope in my in my hand as as mm. you usually would in a in a safety manner, and um, I think it was just the way the horse jumped to the side where it just sort of bent bent the hand the wrong way. Yeah. Um, frustrating, annoying, but again, it is what it is, and mm. we um, we just had to cop it. Mm. You were out four months, but you actually came back for a short time, and you got going quickly. You won a couple of races at Randwick for Team Hawks on a nice little horse called Renewal, and you looked like you were ready to bounce back very quickly, but not long after. You're cantering a filly from the Baker stable on the sand track at Warwick Farm one morning, minding your own business, I might add, when a horse came up suddenly from behind you and lashed out and kicked you fair in the right ankle. <laughs> Again, another freak. Freak, freakish accident. Yeah. Um, so what... It was actually we was walking onto onto the 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 cantering track, mm. just walking walking along, and and that's when it kicked me while we were still walking, uh. and I sort of I, I it felt like I knew straight away that um, the ankle was broke. It was, right. I had a broken ankle, but mm. I just had to make sure, and I I cantered two lap two laps of the sand, mm. um, in absolute agony. And I remember, I remember thinking, I just got to make sure that is it is broken. Mm. Um, after cantering two laps, I could already feel that it would, it was so swollen that my my boots were so tight against my my legs from the mm. from the swelling. Um, I could just feel that I it was it was definitely broken and had to um, had to get it looked at. Yep, and you were out again. Must have been four months the second time. Yes, that's definitely frustrating, John. Mm. That's for sure. 
I can remember the day you resumed riding after that accident because I happened to be there. It was the Tuncurry Foster Cup meeting on the Mid-North Coast in September 2019. You had a lot of rides on the day. You won two races for Paul Perry and that gave you a flying re-entry into the business of race riding. And that really was a tremendous impetus for you at the time because the winners flowed after that. Yeah, it definitely hit the ground running, um, which is what 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 we what we needed being off for so long. Um, and it, it it was good to win on Paul's horses, Paul Perry's horses. Um, mm. After after that meeting, I was receiving a lot of support. Um, and the, the winners just kept coming, which is um, mm. which is fantastic. Mm. Shortly before that day at Tuncurry Foster, your indentures were transferred from Bjorn Baker to Anthony Cummings at Randwick. Now, at the time, Anthony was using several jockeys, which obviously restricted your opportunities, but you did get to ride a few winners for the stable. But most importantly, Jean, it got you to Randwick. And that's when other doors started to open. Yeah, exactly, exactly. At the time, I thought, I thought we can, <laughs> might laugh, but I thought um, because I was getting injured so many times um, through that period, I thought I just I might just need a change of scenery or or something because mm. it, was, it was just injury after injury after injury. I was becoming to think that Warwick Farm was cursed for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we we got to Randwick and. Um, and plenty of doors opened. Um, started riding for for stables I've never ridden for for before, mm. uh, and we were riding plenty of winners. Um, and it was just a whole different different um, setup, so to speak, and and um, riding different horses, different trainers. Um, yeah, it was definitely it was definitely what what I needed at at the time. Here is a classic illustration of the vagaries of racing. Saturday, August 21st last year at Randwick, Rachel King was injured in a fall from Brandenburg early in the day. Trainer John Thompson gets to the jockey's room to find a rider for for twos in a Group 3 race later in the day. What happened from there, John? Were you the only available suitable rider? I think I was, yes, um, or at least the only rider that could do the weight. Even though I still had to had to ride her, I think I think it was half a kilo over or, or so. Mm. Uh, but John gave me a very quick rundown of how she is. Um, I didn't get time to speak to Rachel, um, but yeah, John came into the jockey's room, asked me if I if I, if I could ride her, I, I said, just give me one second. I just need to hop, hop on the scales and mm. um, to see if I can, if I can make weight. And luckily I, I was able to, oh. and, and I accepted the ride, went out, had a, had a five, five second rundown from John. Mm. Um, and luckily she was e- easy to ride and, um, we, she jumped nicely. John just sort of said, don't, don't push her, don't pull her, just mm. allow her to be where, where she wants to be. Um, and it worked out very, very well for us. Yeah, classy little mare. Very. Classy very. little mare, isn't she? It loves her racing, mm. very competitive, um, 
and uh, I was very, very pleased that we got the win. Yeah, Group 3, nice race, the toy show. Had you ridden for the John Thompson stable previously? I've, I've, I've had a few rides from previously, and um, and I think that that could have been why he sort of came came to me um, firstly and, and, and offered me the ride. Mm. You ride at places like Goulburn, uh, Maruya, Nowra. You were at Orange one day recently, and you obviously need a very switched-on manager to coordinate your riding uh, agenda. You've still got the same manager, haven't you, Tony Haining? Yes, I do. I do. He he does a great job. Um, he's very passionate about what he does, and um, he he definitely tries hard. That's for sure. Mm. There was a recent Rose Hill meeting where you rode a winning double and you led throughout on both horses, Sweet Ride and Banju. Now, in an era when many jockeys are nervous about leading in races, I noticed on the day you were very aggressive on both horses. Yeah, it was, it, it was a funny, funny track that day because in my mind I feel that Rose Hill soft six is always sort of down the middle of the track and and good for swoopers as well. Mm. Um, but when I walked the track and before the races, I I I I, I just felt that fence was was the place to be. Um, and watching the first race, I remember we was we we were second race onwards, mm. and watching the first race, first race one fence on speed and and that just sort of confirmed to me that it it it, it was the the right place to be in my judgment of of the track was was correct mm. so that, that's why i rode both those horses the way i did mm. um, and um i was very pleased that they it both it, it paid off um because i i i, I do believe i i um called look, it look, right called it right exactly that's the word i'm looking for mm. Barrier trials have become a massive chore for Sydney jockeys. They're on frequently, and anything up to 20 trials can be programmed in a morning, and it's not uncommon for you to ride 10 or 12. And then go to the races some days as well. <laughs> yes, I know. I know you do. I've never yeah. been more hectic, has it? No, exactly. Um, I, I think it's just sort of you've got to be on – like you said, John is 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 the is Tony. He does he does a good job to coordinate everything, um, and then I've just got to make sure I'm I've um my time manage management is it's it's on point and um, mm. we can fit both in. Mm. It's been a hell of a ride, hasn't it? From the ponies at Bloemfontein to the magical aura of Newmarket to Dubai to Hong Kong. And then an unheralded arrival in Australia where Jack Bruce was the only person you knew. Pretty scary at the time. I was I was quite fortunate that I've got some family over here too. Mm. Um because I, I remember I've got an aunt and uncle over here and, and cousins. I remember at the time when Jack mentioned to me about about looking Bjorn up and coming here, mm. I it was I, I also spoke to one of the trainers in England by the name of Stuart Williams, who does a fantastic job there. Um, he, he, I spoke to him about it as well. And on, 
it was sort of Australia and and America that was that was sort of going to be the the pick of mine which one to go to mm. um and sort of knowing knowing Jack over here and having family over here I I decided on on Australia yeah uh, but yeah I was I was also at the time I was also looking at at America but um making the move over here with um everything i owned in in one suitcase it was it was quite daunting to be honest <laughs> you're yeah. 27 now john i am yes and your weight is comfortable at what mark um probably comfortable at 54 yeah. um anything below i can get below um oh. but it, it just requires a bit of work but um, I can ride 54. I would probably wake up at 55 on a regular basis, but I feel that um, my diet is very good. I like to manage my weight properly. I don't really enjoy having a sweat to to make weight. Um, obviously, we've we've got to do it at some some stages, but um, as far as day to day goes, I um, I like going for long runs to get the weight weight off rather than having a sweat to do it. Mm. As we speak, you're obviously pretty happy with the way things are going. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously we we all want to go want to want to be going better than what we what we are, um but in a in an overview of things, I I am very happy with how things are going and um the rides we're getting, the support we're getting um yeah, no, is is pleasing to see. John Van Overmeer, been a delight having you on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound on a Sunday morning. Thanks for your time. No, thank you, John. Have a, have a great Sunday and um, hopefully speak soon. The catalogue for the 2022 English Classic Yearling Sale is now available. A total of 810 yearlings have been finalised for the sale, 600 in Book 1, 150 in the Highway Session, all to be offered at Riverside between February 6 and 8. 700 of the entries are Bob's eligible and there are Vobus, Westspeed and QTIS yearlings also on offer. There's an enormous range of proven stallions represented as well as first crop yearlings by exciting newcomers like Justify, The Autumn Sun and Trapeze Artist. The classic sale has seen unprecedented growth in recent years with 10 individual Group 1 winners since 2018. Eight of those have been purchased for $100,000 or less, while 14 graduates have won a million dollars or more in the same period. The classic sale gets the English show on the road for 2022 on February 6, 7 and 8 at Riverside. And the catalogue is out now.